This episode is supported by Bounty Kitchen, one of my absolute favorite Seattle restaurants. Bounty Kitchen is no joke an extension of my own kitchen, except that there's so much fresh, local, organic, and tasty stuff on the menu there that it takes me forever to decide what I want. The good news is that you literally can't go wrong. Check out greens, beans, and grains dishes like the braised beef bowl, or dive into the vegan and dairy-free Marrakesh Market Bowl, or try one of my personal favorites for breakfast, lunch, and dinner, the pot liquor bowl. There are also soups, salads, sandwiches, scrambles, and of course, toast, all infused with the deep love and commitment of founder and co-owner and my friend, Meg Trainer and her team. Visit Bounty Kitchen at 7 Boston Street in Seattle's Queen Anne neighborhood and check out my interview with Meg from last season of the podcast to learn more about her personal health journey and the inspiration behind Bounty Kitchen. I think it's so easy to get into this like, you know, knee-jerk here's how I'm doing my life thing without really stopping and saying, all right, is this working the way I want it to work? Am I feeling the way I want to feel? Am I accomplishing what I want to accomplish? And am I being the person who I choose to be? Because we have a lot of control over that too. Welcome to Women on the Rise. I'm your host, Lara Dolch, and each week I talk to thriving women about the practical self-care strategies they use to fuel their success and pursue what's most important to them in their careers and lives. We get real about topics like healthy eating, exercise, sleep, stress, time management, happiness, and productivity, while busting myths about work-life balance and being perfect along the way. My goal each week is to uncover a new insight or practical strategy that you can immediately apply to your life to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Today, I'm talking to Dr. Samantha Brody. Dr. Samantha is a licensed naturopathic physician and acupuncturist and the owner and founder of Evergreen Natural Health Center in Portland, Oregon. She's also the author of the soon-to-be-released book, Overcoming Overwhelm, Dismantle Your Stress from the Inside Out. We talked about how to align your self-care choices with your values and how to figure out what your values are in the first place, why Dr. Samantha thinks stress is different from overwhelm and how they're related, how re-examining what we do and do not have control over in our lives sometimes produces surprising and very freeing results, and finally, Dr. Samantha's tips for navigating the overwhelm of the holiday season so you can feel the way you want to feel and make space for what really matters. Enjoy the interview. Dr. Samantha, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. My pleasure. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, me too. And we were sort of chatting before we started recording about the fact that we seem to have lots of people in common, but this is the first time we've ever actually spoken. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice to make your acquaintance. Yeah, for sure. And I was actually down in Portland last um, month and I just love Portland. I need to spend more time there. It's such a cool city. It is a great city for sure. Yeah. So I'm curious about so many things with your work, but let's start with, I I love the idea of aligning self-care choices with values. And that's something that I talk a lot with my clients about. And I find that people struggle with articulating their values in the first place. Yes, <laughs> so then they're like, well, sure. how do I align my self-care choices? So can you talk a little bit about two things? What does aligning your self-care choices with your values mean? And then any tips for figuring out what your values are? Great. Yeah. So what I find is that we tend to think about self-care off the cuff as things like mani-pedis or getting massages. But for me, true self-care is about lining your choices up with your values because ultimately that's how you're going to end up 
taking care of yourself, right? That doesn't mean that we don't need to engage in some stress management techniques and whatnot because we all need that because life is stressful. But ultimately, it's the aligning of your values with your choices, whether there's your self-care choices or your choices in general, that allows you to live the life that's lined up with what you want for yourself. And as far as finding values, it's actually the the first exercise in my book is literally going through a process of identifying what your values are. So there are a lot of ways to get at that. If you look online, you can just Google you know, what, how do I figure out what my values are? And you'll get many, many hits with different kinds of exercises. And the, the main one that I use in my book, I have, I've taught a course, I teach a course on this as well. And in that course, I use three or four different exercises, but in the book, it's a very simple exercise of looking at a list of values and then a process of going through and narrowing it down in a way that ends up being in alignment with what is most important to you. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's really helpful because having those words to start with, like I find that, you know, that can be just get the the ball rolling and, you know, because otherwise it's like blank. Like people go blank. <laughs> yeah, I actually have a short version of that exercise on my website which I can share in your show notes or share Oh, great. Yeah. with you here if you like, up to you. Yeah, no, I can definitely put that in the show notes. That would be great. great. Um, but yeah, and, and then, and can you talk a little bit more about, so, okay, once we've identified our values, can you give some examples then of, you know, I get it and I, cause I totally agree with you, <laughs> um, but it, I think it would be helpful for listeners to have an example of when a self-care choice is aligned with a value. Sure. So uh, the so let's say you have a value of family. A self-care choice would be to prioritize going for a walk with your family on the weekend instead of say, you know, whatever other thing it is that you have on your docket, right? So we have so many things that pull us in so many different directions. And so instead of thinking about the thing that you can do to manage your stress, you look at, okay, how can I get underneath it to make sure I can prioritize this? So sometimes it's not even about the thing in the moment, but it's about, all right, so I have a priority and a value on family and making that a central you know, theme or core in my life, then you can say, what do I need to do with my schedule that will support that with the idea that doing that is the ultimate self-care? So Mm -hmm. for instance, saying no to, I don't know, helping your friend plan her dinner party, even though that's something that you really want to do, we only have enough room and time to do so many things in our lives. And I think, especially those of us who are people pleasers, (laughs) we tend to do things over and over again that aren't really in alignment with our values because it feels like the right thing to do or we should or because we want to help someone or because we don't want to disappoint them. But ultimately... Uh, the you know the true self care choice is aligning your schedule and your life with what you really want to do. Now that said, you know there are self care things that you can do that are kind of outside the box that will also line up with what your values are. So for instance, if you could go with your kid to get a manicure instead of just going on your own to get a manicure, or you could do it for each other, or you could, you know, the other day I was really cold and I wanted to take a shower and my 12 year old really wanted to play his saxophone for me. So, you know, although it sounds super not, you know, not self-carry to take a shower while your 12 year old is two weeks into learning saxophone and wants to play hot cross buns for you 12 times in the bathroom, (laughs) that actually was a form of self-care for me. So I was able to kind of 
combine those things that were important. So I was cold and I was tired and I took a shower and I was able to give something to him, which ultimately built me up. Um, whereas I could have said, you know, no, I really just need some quiet alone time. That really wouldn't have been in alignment with what was most important to me at that time. Right, right. Well, and I just think it can be helpful to have once you've identified those values, it makes prioritizing so much easier. Like you've gotten yeah. really clear on like what what am I what life am I trying to create? And then you just, you know, like you just compare the, you know, the choices to that list and you're like, okay, I got it. I'm, right. I know what yes. I'm supposed to focus on right now. Yep. And that's the main, that's actually the main thing that I do in my book is to have people go through that process. So they're super, super clear. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and let's talk, since we're talking about that, I would love to hear more about your book. So uh, it releases in January of 2019. It's called Overcoming Overwhelm. And let's talk about what that means or how do you define overwhelm? So I define overwhelm as a state that you get into when your life isn't lined up with what's most important. And the, so you can manifest overwhelm mentally in, you know, the way that one would say, oh, I feel overwhelmed. It's this really clear sense that you have of being over, you know, overcooked or having too many things going on. But for me, in the way I think about overwhelm, it's really about all of the ways that having too much going on in too many areas and too many stresses impacts your body and your mind. So some people experience that as anxiety or depression. And so whatever your weak spot is, is where it's going to manifest. And so that's not to say that people don't experience those in the absence of overwhelm, because sometimes it's just a brain chemistry issue, but you can also experience stomach aches as a manifestation of overwhelm or headaches or joint pain. So they can be physical things. They can be emotional things. They can be, you know, existential things as well. Like, what am I doing here? This kind of constant feeling of things aren't quite right. And so any of those things can be indicative of overwhelm. And they're all kind of signs that it's important to back it up and look at exactly what it is that's going on that's leading to a state such that you're not where you want to be. Mm -hmm. I'm curious how you uh, draw a line between stress and overwhelm. I, I'm, my guess is that you would say overwhelm is a cause of stress, but I don't know. I, can you talk well, a little bit yeah, about that? Yeah, I actually think it's both. And so I think about stress. So a lot of times we think about stress as this kind of, again, this physiological experience that we're having. And that is true. So, you know, you produce stress hormones when you're under stress or your body is stressed. But I really think about stress as the accumulation of all the different things in your life that can then lead to overwhelm. So I think about it like a uh, the, the stress is contained in a bucket. So we have stress in, or we can have stress, I should say, in many different areas of our lives. So you can have environmental stress and uh, relationship stress and nutritional stress and the stress of insufficiencies, like not getting enough water or fresh air or sunlight. And I look at all of the different things, the big things and the little things and the minutiae that all accumulate to kind of overflow your bucket or your container. And, you know, everyone has a different size bucket, right? Like that's about resilience and what you're born with and your, mm -hmm. you know, your tendencies. And so the stresses are the things that will accumulate to then lead to overwhelm. Got it. Okay. That, that makes sense for sure. And then, you know, so what do we do? Like what, what, what do we do about the overwhelm? And also why is getting a handle on that so important to our overall health? 
Yeah, so I think that, again, the primary thing that we've already talked about is getting really clear about your values and what's most important, but also how you want to feel, right? So ultimately understanding what those things are and then using that to vet how you're going to approach things to decrease your overall load, right? So looking at, you know, because sometimes there are things you really don't have control of. Other times there are things that we think we don't have control of that you actually do. For instance, you know, I had a patient who was working night shift and she said there's absolutely something she couldn't change. And over a course of working together for six or eight weeks, she ended up talking to her partner, talking to her boss and changed when she was working, even though for 10 years, she said, I don't have a choice about this. Right. So, uh, you know, looking at where you have some control and where you don't have some control, because ultimately it's deciding what you can change, what you can't change, and then what you're going to choose not to change because you're the boss of you and you get to do what works for you no matter, <laughs> you know, no matter how you slice it because you're a grown up. Uh, so, <laughs> and then the, um, you know, because very specifically with health, when you are overwhelmed, whatever your weak spot is where things are going to go awry. So for instance, if you, and that we thought may change, right? So there may be a season in your life where you tend to headaches or a season in your life where you keep getting sick when you didn't, you know, you usually don't get sick and then somehow you have some kind of overwhelm and that overwhelm will then lead to whatever your weak spot is in that season or in that moment. Yeah. Well, funny that you should use that as an example since I had shared with you earlier that I have my second cold in like two months right now. And I'm like, what is going on? Right. And so I think about that and say, okay, it could be something as simple as the stress of not having enough vitamin D in your system, but it also could be that your body's saying you're doing too much or you're not getting enough sleep or whatever that is. So that's your weak spot right now. So that's where it's manifesting. So sometimes it can be a direct, you know, a direct line. And sometimes it's a you know, a more of an overflow situation. And it really varies, but ultimately it's about listening to your body and listening to how you feel and then making choices based on that. I think it's so easy to get into this like, you know, knee jerk, here's how I'm doing my life thing without really stopping and saying, all right, is this working the way I want it to work? Am I feeling the way I want to feel? Am I accomplishing what I want to accomplish? And am I being the person who I choose to be? Because we have a lot of control over that too. Yeah. Well, I'm so glad you said that. And I love the example that you used of your patient who you know, was like, no, there's no way I can change doing the night shift. And then miraculously, she changed it, right? And, and it's right. just about questioning, wait a minute, do I have control over that? Because I think so many of us get stuck you know, in autopilot with that sort of thing. So thank you. Yeah. You know, the other thing I will say about that too, is that sometimes there really are things that we don't have control over kind of from a more systemic or cultural perspective, right? Like there's a certain amount of privilege in being able to shift, you know, get off of night shift, right? Now it wasn't easy for her to do that, but there are, you know, some things where we legitimately really don't have any control and, but there always are things that we can control. So even if she couldn't have done that, she could have chosen to you know, do the night shift every day instead of switching back and forth. She could have chosen to stop eating sugar so her immune system was in better shape. She could have, you know, decided to exercise on the regular to help her blood pressure, which was being affected by the night shift, right? Like, so there's, even when there are things that we don't have control of or things we choose not to change, there are always things that we can look at and adjust. And sometimes they're little things, but then cumulatively, they end up having a substantive impact. Hey there, it's Lara here. Want to take a quick break from the interview to invite you to my brand new online workshop happening this Thursday, November 15th. It's called Take Care of You to Take Care of Business, How to Thrive in Work and Life Without Burning Out. 
and it's designed to help you finish the year strong instead of giving up on your goals for work and life now because there's not enough time left in the year to make a difference. Not true, I promise. I'll show you how to keep the momentum going while also allowing space and time to enjoy the holidays and setting yourself up for a powerful 2019. The workshop is totally free and all you have to do to save your spot is visit laradolch.com slash workshops. That's laradolch.com slash workshops. I'll see you there on Thursday. I'm curious about you personally. What does being well mean to you at this point in your life? That's a really great question. So I'm in a really interesting, you know, time of my life right now. My dad passed away a couple of years ago. My mom's getting older and is on the other side of the country. I have a 12 year old, my brick and mortar business, my online business, the book, you know, there are a lot of, I have a lot of moving pieces. And so for me right now, wellness is about, I really think, you know, making sure that the choices I'm making are in alignment with who I want to be and what I want to see happen in my life. And the you know, making the effort to continually be conscious on a deeper level. And so the wellness is the outcome of that, but also the process, right? So for me, making the choices that line up with what I want, even if it doesn't necessarily get me there in the moment, because it's always a moving target, that's what wellness is about, right? Being conscious and present. And that's the thing that is that's the thing that's important to me, right? Not necessarily the outcome, although of course we want the outcome and we don't, you know, we don't want to feel unwell or have physical symptoms or, you know, emotional issues or whatever that is, but it's really in the process for me rather than in the outcome, I would say. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like it's just ultimately it's about being present, right? That's, you know, being well sounds like it means being present. Right. And honest with myself too, because I think that's something that's very easy for us to get, like you were saying, get caught up in whatever's going on around us and the, you know, knee jerk of living your life in this, you know, um, in this way that you're just moving, you know, inertia, right? That you're moving along on a particular path without really thinking it through. Do you have some kind of um, annual practice that helps you evaluate that? I'm, I'm curious about that. Yeah, you know, I actually... Uh, typically every three months or so I go through the process that I have in my book, which is to look at the, what my, you know, cause your values are tend to be pretty stable, but they, they do change over time somewhat. And sometimes you don't realize that that's changed. So I look at the, my values and how I want to feel. And then I look at, okay, where, you know, I look at all the different areas in my life and I say, are these lined up with those things. And that's work and my physical health and my emotional health and my family, you know, sort of kind of look at the individual values and say, am I doing the things I need to do to make sure that I'm feeling the way I want to feel and, um, you know, and doing what I want to do and am I heading in the right direction? And then, you know, sometimes I will miss that and then, you know, keep going along and then say, well, something's not right. And whether that's my Mm -hmm. body telling me or my mind telling me or something not turning out the way I was expecting it to or wanted it to, and then say, okay, so is this about, you know, just things shifting and my not being conscious about it and not being aware of it. So I really do try to do that work on a regular basis. You know, I always remember to do it on like the new year and on my, you know, around my birthday and then on the Jewish new year, because I grew up with in a Jewish family. And, you know, so 
I have kind of trigger or the you know, Chinese New Year, whatever those things are, to kind of like <laughs> triggers that happen around that make me go, oh yeah, I need to do that again. Um, and I really try to do that before things run amok, but you know, sometimes, sometimes life runs amok. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. Well, and as you said, sometimes it, 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 that's the trigger, right? You're just like, wait, wait a minute. Something's right. not right. And right. Or like an injury, right? I had a very bad back injury about a year and a half ago and, um, you know, it impacted my life substantively as far as kind of how I was doing my day to day. And it was when I was working on, you know, working on getting the book written and trying to kind of work around that and say, okay, where, what do I need to shift to make sure that things, you know, in my back injury wasn't going to just evaporate, but it was really clear that I could say, okay, something isn't slash wasn't right. What now? Yeah. Yeah, totally. Well, and that's an interesting segue into a question that I had about turning points, because I think that often when people start paying more attention to self-care and wellness, however you define that, there's, there's, a, there's a story there. There's, there's a sort of a turning point. Did you have any kind of experience that kind of woke you up to the importance of these things in your life? You know, that's really interesting. I, you know, I don't, I'm going to have to say no to that because my, you know, I have, I, I call moments that when I look back that things clearly shifted at that time as I call them pinnacle moments. But I don't think that there's particularly a time that I went, okay, that I had some kind of self-care awakening. Maybe, you know, I mean, early, early on in college, when I first was deciding what I was going to do for my career and learning more about alternative therapies and, um, you know, certainly I went from having no awareness to kind of getting, um, you know, immersed in this kind of world of self-help and psychology. And so I've been kind of on that train for a long time. I lived in a meditation center. And so I was introduced to that pretty early. So I don't really think there's been a moment per se. I mean, I've had very challenging moments that made me, you know, reevaluate my life. My dad passed away two years ago, very suddenly from a um, from a stroke that was a pretty, it was a pretty violent experience being in the, you know, being in the urgent care and I mean, in the, um, you know, in the ICU and uh, that was, you know, that made me rethink everything in my life for sure. But I wouldn't say it particularly pushed me down a self-care path. It just made me go, all right, what's important? And now who am I without him? Right. Because we were sure. super, super close. Um, so that was, you know, that, and that was, you know, I would say that's probably been the biggest thing in my life that has really shifted how I think about the world. Um, so, and then also becoming a mom too. There was definitely some, some pretty big shifts and okay, what am I doing and why am I doing it? But I wouldn't particularly say that they were, you know, health, you know, self-care turning points. I would say that they were big life turning points. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and sometimes the journey, I mean, your journey sounds similar to mine in the sense that there was no, yeah, there was no like crisis in my health. There was no kind of awakening. It right. was more exposure to things that over time started to change the way that I felt. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. <laughs> like, right. wow, right. I feel better. I didn't know I felt bad to begin with. Well, yeah. And that's really, and I see that, I mean, I'll say, I see that with my patients and clients all the time. I actually just said that to someone yesterday. I said, I have a feeling once we get your blood sugar in order and make these changes with your diet that you're going to f- not realize that that you hadn't been feeling as well as you thought you were yeah. feeling, right? So Yeah, totally. Yeah, what's your biggest struggle these days with prioritizing whatever you need to do f- for self-care? 
That's, that's also a very interesting question. So, you know, I would say, I mean, right this very minute, we actually are having a situation where we have uh, rodents in our house. And so we're, oh, saying, no. we're so awful. Um, and rodents is a very nice way to say rats. Um, we, so I'm, <laughs> I'm living, we're living in an Airbnb, which happens to be across the street. So that has been very challenging, oh, um, trying to, you know, get ready for the book launch and, you know, living in a different house and, you know, my kid, like, where is he going to come back after school? And we can, you know, and I, but I have to work in the house because that's where, you know, my computer is and everything. We weren't able to move that over. So that's been logistically very challenging of late. Um, and then I would say this back injury that I've had, has been the big challenge over the last year and a half or so. I've worked around it very well and figured out how to manage my life without having pain, but it's definitely been a very big, um, change in the way that I function because I can't sit for mm. very long. I mean, at this juncture, after a year and a half, I can sit for like an hour without having pain. But, um, you know, I work standing up, I work at a treadmill, I see my patients standing up, I, you know, when I travel, I, you know, use my miles so I can get a bed so I can't because I can't sit for a long journey. So it's been that's been logistically pretty challenging self care wise, because the amount of extra work that it takes to work around that has added a lot of um, time and effort and energy, both mentally and physically on top of what I was doing before. So, you know, it meant that I had to really cut back in other areas to make sure I have the time and bandwidth to deal with what I need to do to feel okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's tough. Especially back stuff is so debilitating. How, how do you navigate a situation like that? Or how would you tell a patient to navigate a situation like that without sort of just giving up basically? Yeah. You know, I mean, I've had so many people say to me, oh, your attitude's so amazing. And I'm kind of like, you know, you get what you get. And it's important to take the steps you need to take that you can take. But sometimes you have a genetic disposition to something or you have an injury and being able to say, okay, this is where I am right now. What am I going to do to work around it? And really thinking outside the box as far as, okay, what can I do to make this work? And what do I need to do? You know, for instance, I had to, you know, I've been getting regular massage. I don't particularly like massage and it's expensive, but I feel like because it's not really helping my back, but it's helping me deal with standing so much because I'm standing many, many hours during the day. And I needed to take out a loan on my house for, you know, to pay for the massage because I didn't want to have to have that come out of our regular budget. And so, you know, it's thinking outside the box and how am I going to make this work? What is it that I'm going to need to do? And then not, you know, you get to feel your feelings or I get to feel my feelings about being upset about having an injury that's frustrating and is impacting my day to day and my overall fitness because I was a big weightlifter prior to the injury and running and, you know, I can't do those things. And so thinking, okay, what do I need? You know, thinking outside the box about, okay, how can I deal with this and make it, this is what I have right now. And so hopefully it'll get better and I'll be able to make some shifts. But what, you know, what is it that I need to do? And giving up was not an option. I was just not willing to do that. You know, you get what you get and you, you know, you feel your feelings about it, whether you're frustrated or upset or sad or angry, and then you move on and say, how am I going to negotiate this in a healthy way? Right. So, yeah, yeah. Totally. So much of it is mindset. And, you know, that's a big 
I think revelation for a lot of people, but it really, really comes back to that. It starts there. And uh, it sounds like you've got that dialed in. For sure. I mean, and you get to feel, I mean, the other thing is I have so many patients who are just like, you know, well, why me? I'm like, there's no, I can't answer that for you. Right. And continuing to feel that over a long period of time doesn't serve you. Right. So you can say, why me? It's not fair, but life isn't fair. (laughs) Um, It's, it is, it just isn't. So now what? Well, and choosing that thought's not effective, right? It's to your point. It's like, it's not going to get you where you want right. to go. Like, it's okay to feel frustrated and, um, and, and, you know, upset, but ultimately what's, what's the effective way to get to where you want to go? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you have any kind of morning or evening routine that, that plays into your self-care? Mm-hmm. I, um, I, go through phases. Uh, at night, for sure. I, you know, I'm a big hot shower before bed person. So I, you know, I have a certain time. I'm very committed to getting to bed at a certain time because getting enough sleep is really important for me. And my sleep quality has not been as good as I'm aging, you know, heading toward, you know, in my late forties, things started to kind of run amok with my sleep. And so I have to be really diligent about my evening. So I turn off, unless I have a, you know, a big deadline, which occasionally happens because I have two jobs. Um, I will turn the computer off, start turning the lights down, make myself, um, if it's the summer, I'll have a cup of chamomile tea. And if it's the winter, I make almond milk with some warming spices in it. And then I sit down and read a book or my paper white Kindle. So I'm off of screens and then get into bed on time. And, um, you know, in the mornings I have a kid. And so I usually will, you know, if I've gotten decent sleep, I'll get up and kind of get him out the door. And actually I head right to work immediately without any kind of self-care ritual because I do my best work first thing. And those are the most productive hours for me or the first couple of hours after I get up. And so I used to try to meditate in the morning or go for a walk or exercise. And what I found is that that wasn't a great flow for me. It's better for me to take a break later in the afternoon when my brain isn't firing on all cylinders. Yeah, that's so interesting. I'm now you're making me rethink my morning routine because I find that I'm most productive in the mornings as well, but I still take time to do, you know, breakfast and meditation and sometimes, you know, usually some kind of exercise or whatever, at least most mornings. And yeah. I'm now I'm thinking I might run an experiment and do it your way and see what happens because that's fascinating. <laughs> I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's been yeah. And I used to do the same way. And I really, it became very clear to me that, you know, given that there's a certain, you know, I can only do so much and I have so much on my plate that really utilizing my, my best brain time is important for my overall sense of well-being and self-care. Yeah. So weirdly, yeah. right. That's self-care. So getting up and starting to work right away for me is self-care. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. No, I'm glad you said that because yeah. I, I think that, you know, it, it, it can show up in lots of different ways. Yeah, you have and to let me know how that goes for you. I really want to know. I will. Yeah. I got to figure out how to, yeah, I need to, I need to process how the, how to run the experiment. I'm all about running experiments. I mean, yeah, it's, yeah. it's sort of how I, you know, work with my clients. It's like, Hey, let's just try this and see what happens. And right. you know, so yeah, I will definitely report back. So what are three things that you can't live without when it comes to self-care, whether it's a product or a, you know, a habit, a mindset, that people. Yeah, I love that question. So the first thing I would say is travel, because for me, travel is the place I feel most myself. And so I have a negotiation with my husband that I go 
once a year, two weeks by myself, wherever I want. And I'm, you know, I'm one of those travel hackers. So I, you know, collect airline miles. So it's not a financial burden on my family to travel. So, um, I would say travel, it would be my first thing. And then my second thing would be my husband because (laughs) he handles, he is just remarkable in how much of the care he handles for our kids. So that was also a negotiation up front. I said, you know, I'm not super jazzed about having kids. It wasn't really ever on deck for me, but my husband really wanted to be a parent. And so we negotiated up front. Like he's the number one. He does, you know, nights and mornings, you know, my kid's 12 now, so there's much less of that, but you know, jumpy houses and birthday parties. <laughs> like I was like up front, I'm like, I'm not doing those things, you know, but he makes <laughs> breakfast and does lunch and, you know, so he handles all of those things. And so that's a really important for me in my self-care because I don't, I think it would be very hard for me to, to work the way I work and do the things I do. And for me, you know, one of my values is contribution and making a difference. And I do that through my work. And that means working more hours than I, you know, than he does, for instance. Um, and then the last thing is actually a product, which is my treadmill. So with this back injury, I started by getting, cause I couldn't sit. I started by getting a riser for my desk, for my computer. There's a company called Poppin, P-O-P-P-I-N. And they have these like actually decent looking desk risers that has, have room. I, I still write with a pen and paper because I'm old. And so, <laughs> um, I, uh, I, there's room on it for that as opposed to a lot of the risers that just lifts your computer up. And what I found was that my back was better standing, but I was still having pain. And so I invested in a treadmill belt that just slides right under my desk. And so on an average work day, when I'm working at home on my online business, I will walk like 10 to 15 miles, um, maybe on an average day, seven to 10 miles, but some days up to 15 miles. Um, And then I got one at my office too. So I don't walk while I'm seeing patients because that would be awkward. Um, But I do walk when I'm doing my online consults. I just ask the person if they mind because we're on Skype. And so I'm walking while we're talking. Um, And then at work, at my office, at my brick and mortar, I will use that to do my charting and at lunch breaks because sometimes in Portland, it's a little rainy at lunch and you don't want to get out (laughs) for a walk. You know, I have the best intentions. I spent one winter getting out every day at lunch for a walk. And then after I got the treadmill, I was like, oh, it's so much better. Um, (laughs) You don't get like freezing and drenched on your break. It also allows me to work, which means I get home earlier. So that's the other thing I will say. So if I can do my, instead of going for, I was trying to go for a walk every day at lunch for half an hour. And so now I can do that and do my charting so I get home half an hour earlier. So that's also, I didn't even think about that until right now, how that's also impacted my self-care because now I can have line up my value of really wanting to be there to have dinner with my family, whereas often I wasn't getting home to do that. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah, the great Pacific Northwest and walking outside cannot, <laughs> sometimes don't, uh, don't match up very yeah, well. Yeah, let me tell you, no matter how many layers I have, I'm still freezing. Like oh. I have on a, you know, a shirt and a sweater and a scarf and a hat and a like 800 fell down jacket with a Gore-Tex coat, <laughs> you know, and I'm still freezing. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I totally, totally get that. So, you know, we're recording this, you know, a couple of weeks before Thanksgiving. So I wanted to ask you if you had any specific suggestions for listeners in terms of navigating the overwhelm that comes with the holiday season. In yeah, particular. that's also a really great question. So, you know, the, the thing I would say is to keep in mind what's really important. So it's so often that we get caught up in the season and feel like, you know, say yes to all the parties and 
you know, yes to eating the things that we know don't make us feel well because someone made them or saying yes to, you know, all the million extra, you know, making cupcakes for the school or, you know, whatever those things are. And I think that just being really conscious in the moment of what you're saying yes to and how you want to feel, right? Because for the holidays, it's really about, for most people who celebrate, you know, it's about connection and it's about, you know, often, not always, but often about family and about, you know, creating a space to, you know, for some people it's about religion and their spirituality, but to really focus on what is it that the holidays mean to you and how are you going to make that happen? So, you know, often I have a, I have a good friend who always, you know, over cooks herself at the holidays. I mean, not literally cooking, but you know, they, they have this like ritual where they go to get the Christmas tree and then the, this and the, that and the whatever. And she doesn't like it. And so I said, so why are you doing that? Right. She's like, well, we do it every year. And I said, so, you know, and she never even considered not doing those things because she always does them. So to really, again, it's about being present in the moment and saying, is this something that I want to do? Like, no, like truthfully, you know, no one's going to notice if you go to the party or not. (laughs) Nobody really cares. Um, You know, and even if in the moment someone's disappointed, they'll forget, you know, down the pike. It's not like your best friend's wedding or something, right? So really being conscious about how we are approaching things and then having some very good stress management tactics in your back pocket that may be outside of the box and not adding things to your plate. And so for instance, someone who doesn't like meditating might, you know, forcing themselves to sit for half an hour, you know, of course there's going to be some benefit to doing that over time, but it might be that for that person doing something like coloring or a walking meditation would be a better option, you know, but to make sure that there are that you're thinking outside the box about how you're going to deal with your stress and to be aware of it when it comes. Um, And then one other piece around the holidays is just to be careful about what you're putting in your body because it becomes so easy to go off the rails when you generally want to eat healthfully and take good care of yourself. And then, you know, well, at the holidays, you know, we think about eating things that might not ordinarily be in our diets as a celebration, but ultimately if it doesn't make you feel well, it doesn't serve you. So just being able to say, no, I'm not going to do that even though everyone else is doing it or to be able to say, all right, am I grabbing that candy from the bowl at work because everyone else is doing it and because it's there and being conscious about, is that something I really want to do? Because when you're taking better care of yourself, you are less stressed. So often at this time of year when there's more stuff going on, I say that's the time to be more diligent about making sure you're getting your exercise or meditating if you meditate regularly or eating healthfully. Yeah. No, thank you for sharing those tips for sure. I know that that was helpful for a lot of people. And where can people learn more about you and about your upcoming book release? Thank you. So my, uh, you can find information about the book on my website, which is drsamantha.com forward slash overcoming overwhelm. So it's drsamantha.com forward slash overcoming overwhelm. And there are pre-order links on that page. And so you can pre-order the book. There's also a great pre-order bonus going on right now. It's actually a stress less outside the box ebook that's usually for sale on the site that we're giving away for people who pre-order the book. And then on, you know, obviously my regular website's drsamantha.com. And then on social, I can be seen or found or reached at Dr. Samantha ND. So ND being naturopathic physician. So Dr. Samantha N is in naturopathic D is in doctor. And you can find me there on Twitter and Facebook and Pinterest and Instagram. Everything's all the same handle. 
Yeah, and I'll put all those links in the show notes as well. Thank you so much for taking the time. This is really fun. Well, thank you too. I'm really, it was nice to get a chance to chat with you. I hope we get another chance to do it in person. That's it for this week's episode of Women on the Rise. Visit lauridolch.com slash podcast for show notes and resources mentioned in this episode. You can download other episodes of this podcast and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and Spotify. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review the podcast. It's a huge help to the show and I truly appreciate it. This episode was produced by me with editing help from Dave Nelson at Lens Group Media. Tune in every week for new interviews that give you the practical tools you need to recapture your momentum, mind, body, and soul. Thank you.